When Lot separated from Abraham, he settled in the Jordan River Valley and pitched his tent toward Sodom, then eventually moved his family into the wicked city itself. He probably believed he could raise his family in this evil environment without falling into temptation, but the people there struggled with sexual sins, pride, idleness, selfishness, haughtiness, and many other abominations. The Lord appeared to Abraham, and three messengers told him that Sodom, Gomorrah, and other nearby cities would be destroyed because of their wickedness. Abraham was concerned for Lot and his family and asked, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And if the city would be spared, if he could find fifty righteous people? The Lord agreed, but Abraham knew there were very few righteous people. And the Lord finally said he would spare Sodom if Abraham could find as few as ten. With Lot and his wife, his sons, daughters, and their husbands, Abraham believed he had found enough to save the city. Messengers, or angels, came to visit Lot in Sodom, and when the men of the city learned of his visitors, they surrounded his house and asked where they were, and to bring them out so they could know and commit sin against them. Lot shut the door and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. The men angrily accused him of judging them, and promised to do worse with him than with what they wanted to do to his visitors. They pressed towards Lot and tried to break the door, but the angels pulled him back into the house and smote the men with blindness so they couldn't find the door. The angels told Lot to gather his family and bring them out of the city. They said, We will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. Lot warned his daughters and their husbands to leave the city with him, because the Lord was going to destroy it. But he seemed as one that mocked them, and they refused to leave. The next morning, the angels told Lot to take his wife and two daughters who were with them and leave, or they would be consumed in the iniquity of the city. He lingered, and they took their hands and set them outside of the city. They warned them to escape to the mountain and not look back, or they would be consumed. Lot asked if they could go instead to the nearby little city of Zoar, and was told to go there, and it would not be destroyed. They fled Sodom, but his wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. She may have looked back with longing, and resented the Lord for asking her to leave Sodom, or maybe she lacked faith and doubted his ability to bless them with a brighter future. Jesus referred to this story in Luke chapter 17, verses 31 and 32, when he warned the people to flee the world as the second coming approached, and to remember Lot's wife and not return back. If she really did turn back to Sodom, she would have been destroyed with the city, and become part of the salt and minerals near the Dead Sea. Lot left the city of Zor and dwelt in the mountain with his two daughters. He had now lost his wife, much of his family, and his home and possessions, because of his unwise decision to pitch his tent towards Sodom. While he was strong enough to resist Sodom's temptations, his family was not, and he was not able to protect them. In our day, do we pitch our tents toward evil places, where Satan can distract and tempt us with technology, social media, entertainment, or friends and family that pull us down instead of lifting us toward Jesus Christ? We see those who become social media influencers, and we need to remember that we're on this earth not to be influenced by the world, but to influence others for good.
From Abraham's story, we learn that while Heavenly Father is a gracious, loving, and forgiving God, He also tests and proves His children to see if they will do all that He commands of them. Abraham and Sarah were tested to see if they would endure to the end, as they patiently waited for a child when they had been promised a posterity as innumerable as the stars in the heavens. They continued to show great faith as they grew older, past the time when they should have been able to have children. Abraham prayed for understanding, but the Lord told him to look up at the stars as a reminder of his promised blessing of innumerable seed. Abraham accepted this and continued with faith and trust in the Lord, who counted it to him for righteousness. Sarah finally believed at age 75 that she was past her childbearing years and gave her maid Hagar to Abraham to give him a child. Ishmael was born, and the Lord changed Abraham and Sarah's names and reminded them of the covenant that he would be the father of a multitude, and she would be a mother of nations and kings. Abraham laughed and rejoiced at the thought of being a father at age 100, and Sarah a mother at age 90. But they knew that nothing was too hard for the Lord, and alas, they had their promised son Isaac, whose name means to laugh or rejoice. Some of life's most difficult tests of endurance require us to trust in God's timing, who is never early or late, but always comes when he means to. The Lord now put Abraham through another kind of intense test that pushed his faith and trust to the very limit. He called Abraham's name and told him to take now thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains which I shall tell thee of. How difficult would this test have been for Abraham even to understand, let alone to act upon? My wife and I had the intense, heartbreaking experience of burying our oldest son two years ago. It was almost too difficult a burden to endure, except for the Lord's loving mercy and grace, and prayers of support from our family and friends. I can't even imagine what it would have felt like to be the one to send him to the other side. This was their beloved promised and covenant son they had waited decades for. How could he tell Sarah what he had been asked to do, and would he tell her before or after the sacrifice? What must have gone through his mind, and what did he and Isaac talk about, as they walked three days to Mount Moriah and camped together each night? Abraham's own father had tried to sacrifice him when he was laid on an altar with a knife raised to kill him, and now God asked him to do the very same thing to his own son. The Lord had not given him any explanation why he should kill and sacrifice Isaac. If this was a test of faith, if a ram would be substituted at the last second, or that this was in the similitude of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Abraham rose early in the morning, took fire and a knife, and gave Isaac the wood for the sacrifice to carry, and they walked to the place of sacrifice. It must have been heartbreaking when Isaac asked, My father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham answered, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. We don't know how old Isaac was, except that he was old enough to carry the wood for the sacrifice, and there is no indication that he tried to oppose his father in any way. Isaac showed complete trust and obedience as he willingly submitted to his father, Abraham, who was willingly submitting to his heavenly father.
Abraham built an altar and laid the wood on it, then bound Isaac and placed him onto it. His faith at this point in the trial must have been as intense as the test itself. Did he believe God would stop the sacrifice at the last moment or raise Isaac from the dead, even if he did kill him, as Paul taught in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9? Or maybe he thought the Lord would give them another child. Abraham raised the knife, and in the very act of sacrificing his son, an angel stopped him and said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thine only son from me. Abraham then saw a ram caught in a thicket, and offered it to the Lord in place of Isaac. He was blessed that his posterity would be as the stars in heaven and the sands on the seashore, and all the nations of the earth would be blessed because of his obedience. It's interesting to compare Abraham's experience of being asked to sacrifice Isaac with Heavenly Father's willingness to allow the sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Isaac was also called Abraham's only son, who the covenant would continue through. Jesus and Isaac's births both came about in miraculous ways. Both sacrifices were carried out by their fathers. Isaac and Jesus both carried the wood to be used for their sacrifice. Both sacrifices took place on Mount Moriah, where Jerusalem was later built. Both sacrifices were voluntarily submitted to by Isaac and Jesus. And when Isaac asked his father, Where is the lamb? It was a symbol of Jesus Christ. Abraham gave his will to God and obeyed him in all things. While he certainly learned much about himself, his obedience to fulfill this sacrifice was accounted unto him for righteousness and helps us put all other sacrifices in perspective. Whatever trials in this life we'll be asked to endure or things we're asked to give up, Heavenly Father can respond with love and empathy. Consider my servant Abraham. He will try all his children, even as Abraham, with tests of both endurance and intensity. We can pass them as we learn to have faith and trust in a loving, giving, and testing God who always fulfills his promises in his own timetable. And this is Genesis chapters 18 through 23 in the Old Testament. Look for hidden images located throughout the video. You can download a coloring page and activity puzzles for each section on Etsy at PonderFun. Visit our new PonderFun.com website and Facebook page to find more fun things to do. And you can listen to these as a podcast. Please like and share these videos with anyone you think might enjoy them. Also, please subscribe to this PonderFun YouTube channel and you'll be notified whenever I make new videos. Thanks again for watching and find some time this week to ponder.